He is Lord of all. Amen. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with a Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for the Lord, for God, was with him. Amen. Father, I thank you that you're with us here this morning. You're with us wherever anybody is, uh, anywhere around the area who's watching this by, by uh, internet, who's uh, listening to it recorded days from now. Father, I thank you that the truth is, is that Jesus Christ is Lord, that the, the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing, that it's not held back by world systems and world's fears, but that the kingdom of God is forcefully moving forward, touching lives, changing lives, and bringing about good. Father, we pray that this morning as we worship, that the name of Jesus be lifted up and that all, all men, all women, all children will be drawn unto him. Because Lord, you are worthy. You are worthy. Jesus Christ is worthy to be praised. Jesus Christ is worthy to be honored. Father, I thank you that as we worship this morning in spirit and truth, that you'll help us by your Holy Spirit to worship you in a way that's worthy of your name. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. That's one of my favorite songs. Um, those of us who were in Israel back in January, we got to sing that in a, in a church that had perfect acoustics, and it was just so it was mind-boggling. Um, good morning. Um, thank you for giving me an opportunity to speak again on um, Over the Offering. My name is Brian Eager. I'm a member here at River Valley Christian Church. Uh, just want to scratch the surface again a little bit more on biblical prosperity. So I'm going to start with the book of 3 John, verse 2. It says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. In this little book, the Apostle John was talking to Gaius, a friend of his, but also the Holy Spirit is speaking through him to us in the body of Christ. As we said before, God wants to bless us and prosper us more than we even want to be blessed and to be prospered. It's a very hard concept sometimes to understand that, that the God of the universe wants us to be prosperous and blessed, but he does. According to Strong's, the definition of prosperity is shalom, completeness, soundness, welfare, and peace. It represents completeness in number and safety and soundness in your physical body. Shalom also covers our relationships with God and with people. It's nothing broken, nothing missing in every aspect of our lives. We are three-part beings. We are spirit, soul, and body. When we are born again, our spirit is made prosperous and perfect by the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. That part is our eternal part that's going to live forever perfect. Um, Titus 3, 4, and 5 says, But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, 
not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So here we're, we're, we're made perfect in our spirit when we're born again. But our soul is not, and our body is not made perfect when we get born again. We still have the same body. We still have the same soul. But this is a process. Our soul, our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. Our soul prospers as we renew our minds, our wills, and our emotions. So how do we prosper in our soul? Well, we, we develop our relationship with God through prayer, through renewing our, our minds in the, in the word, developing our personal relationship with God. God wants to have a personal relationship with each one of us. That's why we get born again. That's why Jesus died for us. And, and as we renew our relationship and our soul with God, prayer is essential because that's how we speak to God. But also reading our word is essential and just delving into how much God loves us over and over again. In Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And Colossians 3, 1 through 3 says, If then you were raised, if you were raised by, with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So our soul prospers as we renew our mind through the reading of the word, through praying, through the thoughts that we have. Our soul prospers as we renew our will. As we line up our will with the will of God for our individual lives, we know more and more of his plan and purpose for us. You know, for me, it's comforting that even Jesus, who was perfect, had to get away on a regular basis to align his will with God's will. So if Jesus had to do that, he being perfect, we also have to do it. It's a continuum. It's a continuous process of aligning our will with his will. Not that it's arduous or, or hard. It's just something that we consciously need to take some time to do. Our soul also prospers as we renew our emotions. Many of us spend a lot of time working on our self-esteem. When I think that we need to develop a God esteem or a Christ esteem in our lives. The secret to victorious Christian living is not found in self-improvement, but in allowing Christ to follow, to live through us. This doesn't mean that God wants us to have a bad self-image. We are created in his image. So the image that we have based upon the word of God is the image that he wants us to have of ourselves. But it just depends on which self we are concentrating on. The old man is corrupt. Uh, the old man at its best is incapable of living the Christian life. And that is the self that most of us are trying to patch up and are trying to feel good about. We're trying to improve. But we need to concentrate on the new man. And the new man is exactly as Jesus is. It's in our spirit. And we are totally brand new person in Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, the word says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We receive 
and have everything that Jesus has in our spirits. We have a totally new identity in Christ. Why then would we want to try to fix up our old selves instead of living in our new self, the new life we have? If we let the new man dominate us, we walk in power and victory in every area of our lives. If we let the old man dominate us, we continue to live from failure to failure. And back to the word health in this verse. Webster's defines health as a condition in which someone or something is thriving or doing well. You know, we all like to concentrate on the health of our bodies, right? The, um, the health of our bodies is good, but we also need to con- concentrate on the health of our, our soul. Our spirit is perfect, like I said before, but our soul and our bodies is what this word health is, is dealing with. Health is ours as a byproduct of prosperity. God's grace that we receive by faith. Health is a state of being. We have the ability to walk in a state of health because that is God's will for us. So you say, Brian, this is all good and and fine, but what does this have to do with offerings? Well, glad you asked. When we have confidence that we are prospering because of God's provision and his grace to anoint us to get wealth, We are freed up to give as he leads through his word and his Holy Spirit. We are freed up to look and see that this is the base. God has prospered us so that we have everything that we need for life and godliness, everything that we need to live. We don't need to worry about being provided for. It's there. It's a given. And and I'm not saying that you give your mortgage or your kids food unless you get a specific and distinct and unquestionable word from God in that area. But we have the ability to produce wealth. So we have the ability to produce above and beyond what we need for our everyday lives. So this is a process of receiving an understanding of his provision and prosperity in our lives, which is his grace. We are blessed to be a blessing to represent Christ to the world around us. I mean, there are, this is just a scratching of the surface. There are other principles that play into, into offering, like giving and receiving, sowing and reaping, etc. But I'm um, not going to go into that today. But thank you for the opportunity to scratch a little bit more below the surface into what God's provision and biblical prosperity is. So the ways that you can give to RVCC are thus. You can give online at rvcc.info slash donate. There's a button at the bottom where you can give by PayPal or by credit card. Uh, You can bring it into the church office Monday through Thursday, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., 5900 Lake Elmo Avenue. You can also mail it in to River Valley Christian Church, 5900 Lake Elmo Avenue North, Lake Elmo, Minnesota, 55042. And uh, the other ministries that are associated with RVFM have links on their websites where you can where you can give. So again, thank you for your time. I'd like to pray over the offering. Father God, we do thank you that you have given us the ability to produce wealth. Father, we thank you that you want us to prosper more than we want to prosper, and you want to bless us more than we even want to be blessed. Father, we thank you that you love us as individuals. We thank you that you've given us everything that we need to provide for the body of Christ and beyond to provide for our world. Father, we ask that you would bless each person, 
Each gift, it will be used for your glory and your honor. And Father, we thank you for the ministries that you have here. We ask your blessing on our pastors, on the people, and Father, that your word would go forth this week in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. Amen. Well, thank you, Brian. Good word. And I want to thank everybody who gives and uh, those who have been able to and those that desire. And we just thank you for your gifts and your giving. We th- we, the, I've had many people ask, how's the church doing? We're doing well. We're doing well. Everything's covered. Everything's being taken care of. And it's because of your faithfulness. It's because of your honoring God with your uh, giving. And uh, it's a, that's a blessing. It's very, very, very cool. So I, I want to say thank you. We don't get, say, get to say thank you enough, uh, especially in this uh, weird time, but, uh, because I don't get to see you enough, but here, here it is. So thank you very much. You're, you're a great blessing. All right, turn with me once again to Acts chapter 10. It's where I started out the service. I read these verses at the beginning. I want to read them again uh, because they're good. Acts chapter 10, beginning with verse 36, says, As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. Jesus is Lord of all. And you yourselves know that what happened throughout all Judea, beginning with, from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Well, that's what we're supposed to be doing. You know, people are saying, what are we supposed to be doing during this time? Well, what we're supposed to be doing is doing what Jesus did. He went about doing good. We're supposed to be going and doing good. And so this morning, I want to talk about what good is. What, what are we supposed to be doing? How are we supposed to be doing this? Because people have different ideas. You know, should we should be uh, feeding the poor. Well, that's, that's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with good. You know, good, good uh, acts of service to, our, to humankind, to, to those that are in need. We can serve people. I encourage you to do that. That is awesome. If that's how the Lord leads you, man, that's phenomenal. You know, uh, getting groceries for somebody who can't go out or won't go out or whatever, and being able to, to serve them and to, and to uh, speak words of encouragement and life over them, praise God. That's exactly what we're talking about. Helping out, uh, you know, mowing lawn, doing, doing something that for somebody that they can't do for themselves. So yes, doing good falls in that line too. But what kind of doing good did Jesus do? He did all those things. And that's what I actually want to talk about it's it's interesting when when you talk about what Jesus did, you, you you immediately think of healing blind eyes, and you think of immediately of the lame walking or the the leprous made whole. But do you know that Jesus did other miracles too? He did other miracles that you kind of go. I mean, at least I do when I when I read the Bible and I read these stories, I look at them and I go, really? That's a that's something that God anointed you to do that's something that that's something that like wow and i want to talk about three of them today and uh um just really look at them from the from the aspect of really 
That's something that he used the Holy Spirit to do. And so, first of all, uh, one thing that I want to just say is that what Jesus did is he always found a need and he filled it. Or the need found him. Somebody always needed something. So they always wanted something. And God used Jesus full of the Holy Ghost, full of the, the Spirit of God, full of power to meet that need. Every time. That was, that's what the miracles were. And some of those needs, you kind of go, really? He's, he's concerned. I liked what uh, Brian just said. You know, he, he wants to bless us more than we even want to be blessed. You know, that he wants to bless us in ways that you go, really? You want to bless me that way? And some people are like, oh, no, 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 God. You know, you don't, I don't, you don't have to bless me that way. Oh, no, no. I, I feel, you know, I, I, that's just too much or that's too extravagant. No, God is like, I want to meet your need. I want to bless you. And, and then during times like we're experiencing right now, we are called to be a blessing to others, to meet their needs. Turn over to real quick, and uh, you don't have to if you can see the screen. It's not, I'm just a very short verse. You've all heard it before. It's nothing new. Philippians chapter 4, beginning with verse 19. And it says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul was actually talking to them about giving and receiving. He was talking about financially. That, and, and this, you know, in context, I'm, you know, I, I want to be absolutely truthful. In context, he's talking about meeting every one of our financial needs. You notice he didn't say, I want to meet it. You know, my God shall supply all of your absolute have tos, have to haves. Or, or your, you know, he said needs. You, you need this. What do we need? Well, it's amazing what God blessed people with. We're gonna, I'm gonna, that's, that's the part I want to look at here this morning. Is there some things that, that God used his power to do, and you go, really? How does that work? All right, first one is this. Turn over to John chapter 2. John chapter 2. Today, this sermon is going to be full of, oh, I was there. In, in January, we were there, okay? So I get to say, I get to say that. It, Deb, every time, I, every time I say, oh, we saw that in Israel, or we were in that city, she always rolls her eyes. I know, you were there. Okay, whatever. All right, John chapter 2, uh, beginning with verse 1, says, On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana. We were in Cana. We didn't get off the bus in Cana. We, we drove through Cana, and it was just a, it's a modern city. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't look anything, I would imagine, other than the surrounding area. It doesn't look anything like Cana of Galilee you know, back then. But what was really interesting to me is I got a picture of a storefront that was a, a wine, uh, wine sale place, and it says, Wedding of Cana Wine. So they still have some. Uh, it's still being sold today uh, in, in Cana of Galilee. So, uh, but there was a wedding in Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, wow, that's pretty bold. You know, I mean, try to say that to your mom. Woman! Maybe he said it. Maybe that's maybe a term of endearment. I don't know. Woman, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to his servants, do whatever he tells you. It's very interesting. There was a need. There was a need. Now, you, it, it, you notice that it's the first uh, recorded miracle that Jesus performed. 
The first recorded miracle that Jesus performed was not blind eyes open. The first recorded miracle was not deaf ears hearing, the the lame walking. It, It wasn't the leprous being healed. The first miracle was he made more wine for a party. Now, I don't know about you. I'm not much of a theologian, but I read that and I go, really? That's what that, it's like, you know, that would not be the miracle that we'd all choose. That's not all, that wouldn't be the one we go, oh, I know what we need right now. We need more wine. Now, some people may say that. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not saying that nobody says that, but if, if you had all the power in the universe, all the anointing of God on you, and you could do anything that He led you to do, and God actually did it, the Holy Spirit made that miracle happen. Why? Because he was meeting a need. There was a need. There was a need. And they had faith. His mom had faith that whatever Jesus was about to do, it would happen. Interesting. Do whatever he tells you. Drop down to verse 7. Skip 6. It says, Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. So all he did was told them, here, just fill up those jars over there with water and uh, fill it to the brim. And when it's full, just draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. We know the rest of the story. The master of the feast drank and says, wow. How come you brought the good wine out last? Usually you, they bring it out first. Now you look at that and it's like, now wait a second. I, I, thought, I thought that these miracle stuff was like really important, really holy. What it is, miracles, the power of God is to meet our needs. God wants to bless us. He wants to bless you. He wants to bless others. And so when we look at, and, and we, can, we can reason away, See, that's the point I want to get to today, is that we see these miracles, and every one of the miracles I'm going to talk about, we can go, well, it could have been done differently. It could have been done some way else. Why did God have to get involved? Why did did God get involved? And I'll tell you the secret right up front, because He loves you. Because He loves you, and He loves others, and He wants to meet their needs. He wants to use you to meet their needs. God used Jesus to meet a a wedding feast's need of more wine. Now we would go, well, yeah, but they could have gone down to the store. You know, they could have gone down to wet, you know, Cana wedding wine, you know, and and bought six more bottles. You know, they could have, they could, well, I'm sure somebody had more wine in a cellar somewhere. We could have just gone and got it. Today, we would reason it away. We would reason away. We go, you know, well, we have doctors now. We don't need God to heal us because we have doctors. We have, we have doctors. We understand medical science. We understand that, you know, you gave this shot or you, you take this pill and whatever is ailing you is going to go away. Well, that can happen. Or you can believe God. You can stand by faith and, ex- and expect God to move. Well, well, but God gave us a brain and he gave us a brain that he expects us to use. And so, you know, we're supposed to use our brain to, to, to take advantage of science. And yeah, well, do that. That's fine. But don't throw away the supernatural. Don't throw away the supernatural. Expect the supernatural. You know, early on uh, last year, um, I started sharing the six pillars of RVFM. 
And RVFM, for anybody who's watching doesn't know what it is, River Valley Fellowship of Ministries. It's an organization that we began last year to, to oversee the churches as they're being planted in the valley. And as we do this, we were looking at, at our, uh, 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 you know, our belief system, our, our statement of faith, our, our values, and all those sort of things. And I ran into these pillars of the, of the Chinese church. And as I read through them, I was like, wow. These things are amazing. I've changed them slightly uh, to fit what our, where we're at. But the six pillars of RVFM, and so everybody at home, this is a pop quiz. You haven't heard this in a while. We haven't, I haven't shared this, but you're ready. I know you're ready. And you can shout them out uh, like you do on Jeopardy. You know, shout the answer out at home, okay? Especially if you're sitting with a bunch of family. Uh, anybody here who's here, all of you uh, essential uh, worship team, and uh, you could shout out the answers. Number one is... Hallelujah. That was Jamie. Jamie, ding, 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 ding. Good answer. Good answer. All right. She got the number one answer, so she controls the board. All right. So be filled with the Holy Spirit. Exactly. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. That's, that is first and foremost. You notice in that verse up in, up in, uh, uh, Acts, it says that Jesus uh, Christ, filled with the Holy Ghost, went about doing good. You know, I'm sure he was good before, he was kind before, he was honorable before, but now being filled with the Holy Spirit, now he can go and do some good. He can go out and be a blessing to the people around them, around him. And so, yes, number one was be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that is, that is number one. I mean, yes, number one goal is absolutely to be born again. You must be born again. If you're not, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you have not repented of your sins, you can do that immediately. You can do that right now. You could pray, Father, come into my life. I'm sorry for my sin. I repent of my sin. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. From right now, from this moment forward, Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. That's, that's it. And if you meant that from your heart, you spoke it with your mouth, you are saved. That's obviously number one. But we're talking about taking the church, moving it forward in, in whatever time we're dealing with, whether it's, in it's, it's easy times or hard times, whether it's open times or closed times, whatever it is, we need to be able to move the church forward. And the way to do that is every person, every member attender, every member of the body of Christ needs to be filled with the Holy Ghost. So that's number one. Number two is read your Bible. Read the Bible a lot. Brian has a point. We have a point with Jamie. We have a point with Brian. Good, good. All right. So we have uh, read the Bible. Why do we have to read the Bible? Because the Bible is the Word of God. The Bible is what God said, what God did, what His plan is for the world. And it, is, it isn't something for me to read and then to tell you each week a little snippet so that you understand it. No, you should be in it every single day. I should be in it every single day. I've, I've read the Bible umpteen times. My wife has read it dozens and dozens of times. And every morning she reads it again. She reads more. We read more. You should be reading more. You, can, you, you read it over and over and over. Why? Because it gets down deep inside of you. And you know the plan of God. You know the will of God. But you have to do the work of it. You need to, to walk it out. So read the Bible. Read the Word a lot. Number three, pray. 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 Well, how do we pray? We spend time in the presence of God. You know, pray is not our Father. I mean, it, it is. That's the form that Jesus gave. 
It isn't a rote prayer. It isn't a, you know, oh Lord, I'm a worm, forgive me. Oh, you know, I mean, that's, there may be a moment where that needs to happen. You know, you need to deal with whatever sin is in your life, but it needs to turn to God, you're so good. God, I love you. You're awesome. You're worthy. Father, thank you for all that you've done in my life. Thank you for, for being a blessing to me. Thank you for taking care of my family. Thank you for taking care of us. Thank you for this church. Thank you, Lord, just you're, it's worshiping God. It's being in his presence. And Paul says we can, we can pray without ceasing. We can be praying all day long. God, you're some, I can drive down the road and, and be, be listening for the Holy Spirit and, and worshiping him. And I don't even have the radio on. It's just, God, I love you. God, you're good. Or, or just being attentive, just being you know, listening for him. I don't even have to be saying anything. That's prayer. Pray a lot. Spend time in the presence of God. Number four. Share your faith. Evangelize. It is important that every believer shares their faith, shares their what, what God has done for them, the hope that we have. The Bible says to be ready to share the hope that God has put in us, that we have. And so we need to talk to people. We need to let people know. People are scared. People are, 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 are frightened. People are, are, are confused. They don't know what to do next. Well, we have the answer. The answer is, God loves you. He sent Jesus to die for you on the cross. He provided, He's providing for everything that you need. And here, you can have a relationship with Him. That's the first and most important part, is to have a relationship with God. Well, what do I say? I don't know what to say. Well, if you rewind this video you know, at a later time, and you listen to what I said there in about 15 seconds... That's what people need to hear. They need to hear that they need to, to, to believe that God sent Jesus to this earth and that he died on the cross for their sins. They, they receive that death on the cross for their sins and that they confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. That's it. It is not. You don't have to be a theological, you know, Guru, you don't have to be, you don't have to know all the answers to why, what about the pygmies in Africa or, or what, you know, why does God allow pain or what, you know, you don't have to, that's all stuff you can study later. What people need to hear is that Jesus came to the, came to this earth, died on the cross for them, and they need to receive what he did and confess it with his mouth. People need to hear that from you. They will, they may not ever hear it from me. I can only reach so many people, but you can go. Every believer should share their faith. And we have a goal here at uh, River Valley to share your faith every three months, at least once, with somebody every three months. So you can do it more. Trust me, you can do it more. Or, you know, but I encourage you to do it at least uh, once every three months. How do you do that? Over a cup of coffee, over a Zoom meeting. You know, if somebody goes, oh, I haven't been out of the house in 50 days. I mean, I've been hearing those stories. They look like it too. You know, they look like, you know, it's like the, the survivor, not survivor. What's the, the, the Tom Hanks thing? You know, the hair is gone and, the, you know, it's, uh, you know, gracious sakes. People, it's okay. You can walk out of your house and breathe. It's all right. But there's people that are afraid. We have hope. We have hope. There's hope. God heals. Amen. And then number five, expect the supernatural that was grace for your your parents are cheering at home yes very good or did you phone a friend did you uh, did you phone that in no no you it was you she knew it grace knew that right off so praise god expect 
the supernatural. And that's what today's sermon is about, is we need to be expecting the supernatural. If there is an answer, if there's a time for the supernatural, it's now. Now is the time. We need to be expecting God to do miracles. But the problem is, is we look at something like, like uh, you know, well, God needs, you know, or some, the, some people need this thing, which I don't think is important to, the, you know, to me at the moment, or whatever it is, they need wine. And Jesus goes, all right, I'll meet your need. There's all the wine you need. It's the best wine you'll ever drink right there. Supernaturally. Well, wait a second. Why did he do wine? I know it's controversial, I think he did it for that reason. I think he pushed the button. He pushed the button on purpose, going, you know what? I want to meet all of your needs. Well, yeah, but. No, 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 not yeah, but. I want to meet all of your needs. But I I could have got by with a lesser wine. Well, no, I want to give you the best. I want to be extravagant. I want to be a blessing to you. God wants, he loves you. He wants to be blessed. He he wants to pour out everything that he is. And God is good. And he wants to do it through you. But we, so many times we we reason away, well, you know, there's other ways to get, you know, this or that. We'll we'll do it a different way. But we need to expect the supernatural. And then the last one is the saddest one. But it's true. It's a hard one. Hupomino suffering. And you're thinking, what in the world did he just say? Hupomino is a, is a Greek word that means embrace or f- face into it and push right through it, through the suffering. And we're not talking, well, I have the coronavirus and it's a disease that God has put upon me for this time. I'm embracing it. No, that's a bunch of... I wish I knew the, the uh, Greek word for... Pui, pui, yes, whatever. My wife, Debbie is twitching. Sorry, I'm backing away, sweetheart. I'm backing away. All right, the Greek word for, I suppose, dung would be the word. Okay, I'll stop now because I'm sure there's children watching. Where was I? Embrace, embrace suffering. It's not about embracing sickness or or tragedy or what. That's God did not put that on you. What we're, what the, He's talking about is that we need to embrace suffering, which means I'm going to die to myself to live to him, live for him, which means, you know, not everybody wants to share their faith. I don't always want to share my faith. It's, it's a struggle sometimes. It's hard. It's, you know, I'm, in, I, I'm what are they going to think of me? Or should I do it right here in this moment? Well, you need to die to that. Embrace that suffering. What if they, what if they persecute me? Well, then, then you're in the same ranks as all the other believers who have been persecuted throughout history. And you haven't shed your blood yet. You know, you haven't been uh, nailed to anything late, lately. You haven't been fit, fed to any animals recently. Although I did see a meme this morning that says that the flame-throwing uh, squirrels have arrived from Korea. It's the next wave of, of whatever uh, suffering is going on during this time. I wish I had that picture to throw up there, but I don't. But it's just, you know, we're, we're embrace moving forward. Embrace the, the, the hardships of being uh, the witness of Christ in this day and age. All right, so those are the six. Be filled with the Spirit, read the Bible, pray a lot, uh, evangelize, share your faith. Expect the supernatural. That's what we're talking about here. If If people need anything right now, they need to know that God is more powerful, more powerful than anything on this earth. That's one of the reasons I'm, I 
I repented. I, you know, there was a period of time. I grew up in a Christian home. I, I, I was, I lived for God. I was born again at four years old. Um, I, I, you know, I knew tons of stuff about the Word. I was growing, and then I went to college, and things went a little sideways. And uh, during that time, I, I, I did some stupid things that don't need to be ever spoken out out, out loud. And uh, but in the middle of that, I was at a party one night. I was at a party, and God said to me, He says, John. He said, you know, he says, he says, you need to repent. You need to come back to me right now. I mean, there's, we're, we're altered. Let's just say it that way. There was an, it was an altered state of understanding and, and, you know, and I was, I was altered. And, uh, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. And instantaneously, instantaneously, I was, I was straight as I am right now. And God says, I am more powerful than anything you've ever put in your body. I'm more powerful than anything. We need to understand, people need to understand that coronavirus is not the end. I wasn't even going to mention that word today. I can't believe I just mentioned that word. I wasn't going to. I don't want to give it any more precedent. It, it, deserves, it deserves nothing. It's, 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 it needs to be walked on. But God heals. And we need to expect that God can heal it. And people need to expect that God can heal it. Now, I understand, we have doctors who are learning all kinds of stuff naturally. Well, that's great. God bless them. But what about just being healed of it? What about it having no effect, just disappearing out of your body? He does that sort of thing. Still today, He does it. And we need to expect that we can lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Well, what if they don't? Well, what if they do? Why? By faith. Don't doubt. The Bible says that if you, if you believe and you have no doubt, you can say unto that mountain, be thou removed, and it will be cast into the sea. Be, why not believe that God can do the supernatural and walk it out? Live it day in and day out. Be, because we can reason it away. You know, with this whole uh, uh, wedding at Cana thing, we could, well, they could have gone and got a few more bottles somewhere. You know, why did he have to do that? Because he wanted to. And he can. And he's trying to show, nothing is too insignificant for me. I want to take care of you. Well, that's okay. I'll just work extra. I'll, I'll, I, you know, I know it's by the work of my hands. And I, yes, it is by the work of your hands. But he also can supply supernaturally abundantly. And you can expect that from him. Next story. Next story. John chapter 6. Go to John chapter 6. We're going to stay in John pretty much today. John chapter 6, beginning with verse 5. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? Remember, this is when he was, he was preaching and there were thousands of people there. Literally thousands of people. They were, they were, uh, um, it says there was 5,000 men. And we know where there's men, there's women. Where there's men and women, there are children. There were thousands of people there. And he's looking around, and it's almost like he's baiting his disciples. Because he already knew what he was going to do. It says that, actually. He already knew what he was going to do. But he says, hey, Philip, what do you think about this? Uh, how can we get these folks some bread? And Philip immediately does what human beings do today, he goes to the natural. Oh, 
It's going to take, you know, three years worth of wages to buy enough bread for these, all these people. And he starts thinking, okay, well, now how are we going to figure this out? And how's this going to happen? You know, and, and, and Jesus kind of, you can almost tell that he was smiling inside. And he says this. He says, where are we to buy, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? Verse six. He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered, verse 7, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to have a little. I mean, if we had 200, I don't even know what a, the, the exchange is for 200 denarii, but we're talking, I mean, you want to feed 5,000 to 10,000 people, it's going to take some food. And it's going to take a lot of food. It's going to take a lot of money. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a boy here who has five loaves, barley loaves, and two fish. You know, it's funny. Andrew, hey, let's steal it from the little kid. Let's, let's take his lunch. At least we'll have enough for us, you know. Andrew, what a great guy. Big hug to Andrew. Shout out. But there are so many. But they are for so many. So many. Verse 10, Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down and 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to, lose, to those who were seated. He also, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. He supernaturally took that, that little kid's lunch, and he multiplied it. Okay, that's amazing. We talk about that, that uh, 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 miracle happening. We were there. We, we were in the place that they say is traditionally where that happened. It's called Tagba. Tagba, uh, Israel. It's right along the, the uh, uh, western shore of the Sea of Galilee. We were there, okay? Whether it was there, whether it was two miles away, it doesn't matter. We were in the area. But he fed those people there. And it's a miracle. We talk about it. That's one of the miracles we embrace. Oh, the feeding of the 5,000. You know, yeah, the, 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 the wedding at Cana, well, he's talking about alcohol there. But the, the, the feeding of the 5,000, that's amazing. You know, okay, we'll, we can wrap our mind. But why? Why did he do that? You know, they had all these people following. What did they eat for lunch the day before? What did they eat for lunch the next day? Well, they figured it out. They fed themselves. They, they went through the process of going and working and buying the food and making the food and eating the food. That's the natural process. Why couldn't Jesus have just said, hey, send them home, tell them to come back tomorrow. I don't want them to starve to death out here. But he didn't. He didn't do that. There was a natural answer to this. But he didn't do the natural answer. Why? Because he's good. And he's extravagant. And he's over the top. He wanted to bless them. And he wanted to bless them supernaturally. We would have written that off. You know, the, the first Sunday, I, that, you know, first Sunday we all come back. I want to have a, I want to have a big meal. You know, the, the staff is already starting to twitch. I want to have a great big meal. I want to serve, I want to have a party the day we come back and we're going to buy food for everybody. We're going to buy, we're going to eat and we're going to have, you know, whatever. Okay, so, but you start thinking about naturally, well, does that mean we got to do this, we got to do that? We start thinking of all the natural things, and they were too. How much is this going to cost us? And Jesus said, just do it. 
tell him to sit down, prayed over the meal, and he supernaturally, supernaturally provided that meal. Now, he didn't do it the next day, notice, because they all came around the next day. When you get over into John chapter 6, they're still following him, and he says, the only reason you're following me is you want to get fed again like you did yesterday. So, I mean, there was a limit. But what he did, he did it supernaturally. He could have done it naturally. They could have sent everybody home. But he didn't. He's a supernatural God. And we're in a supernatural system. So why, and it hasn't changed. It has not changed from from 2,000 years ago till now. The kingdom of God is supernatural. And we need to expect to move supernaturally. If you don't have enough toilet paper in your home, lay hands on what you have and pray and watch God work. Now, you're laughing. I know because I'm doing it on purpose. And it is kind of funny. But why not? Why? Why do we not believe that I need more toilet paper? Lord, I need more toilet paper. You know, there's been story after story throughout history of God supernaturally providing for people. There was a, the, we read the book here a number of years ago. I, we passed it out, and, we had, and when you got done reading it, you're supposed to pass it to somebody else. It's the autobiography of George Mueller. George Mueller was a, was a man who ran an orphanage back in late 1800s, early 1900s. Pardon? 1840s? 1840s uh, in, in Bristol, England. And I've been there. I've seen the, the buildings. But at the time, he had nothing. He literally had nothing. He had no money. He had nothing. People would just bring their kids off. It was during a plague, dude. It was during one of the plagues, and, and people, the, the parents were all dying, and the children were, were being put in these orphanages, and they were brought to him, and, and they had no relatives, and he was expected to take care of them. And he had no money, but God said, do it. Bring, bring in more, bring in more. They kept increasing the number of children, and every time they would increase the number of children, the miracles would increase. There were stories. He wrote in his diary, we didn't have any money today. We didn't have any money yesterday. We didn't have any money the week before. You know, I'm reading halfway through this thing. I'm thinking, when is this going to turn around for this guy? But every day, God met his needs. Every day, he says, I need, I need 50 farthings. This, I need it right now by noon. And at 11.59, somebody would walk in and say, God led me to give you this. And it was 50 farthings. One day they sat down, he and, and, and the workers and all the, all the uh, um, uh, children, all the orphans were sitting down for lunch and there was nothing. They had no food. They had no money. They had nothing to eat, nothing to drink. And he said, sit down. They sat down, they began to pray. And he says, God, I thank you that you provide all of our needs. I thank you that you take care of us. And there was a knock on the door. And the knock on the, he went and opened the door and it was the milkman. His wagon had broken down outside of, of uh, George Mueller's orphanage. And he says, my wheel, or the wheel just broke on my wagon. I can't get the milk to market, and it's going to spoil if I, somebody doesn't use it. So here, here's all the milk you need. Drink it all. Boom. There were miracles, other miracles, food, money. By the end, people were sending, they, they, they have estimated that in today's money, millions and millions of dollars were sent by people all over the world 
to feed, take care of these orphans. Most people never met George Mueller once. They just were led by God to take care of him. Expect the supernatural. Don't get worried when there's a shortage of toilet paper. My goodness. There, there, there very well could be a day where there's a shortage of everything. Does that mean the grace of God, the mercy of God, the love of God, the power of God is like, well, he used it all up. We should have, we should have conserved. No. Watch what God does, but we have to expect it. We have to believe it. We have to believe that he is an extravagant God. You know, there's a story, and I can't remember the lady's name. I shared it here one Sunday morning, who was a POW during the, the World War uh, during World War II, she was a missionary, and the Japanese came in, took over the island, one of the Philippine islands, and because they had a radio on the compound, they, they, they labeled everybody as spies, they killed a bunch of them, she got put into prison, she was in solitary confinement. And all she had was a small window that if she pulled herself up, she could look down into the courtyard of the prison. And she was there, and she, was, she had pulled herself up, it was looking out, it was a sunny day, and there was a banana tree on the other side of the, on the, other side of the, the compound, on the other side of the, the courtyard. And she's looking at those bananas, and she's like, oh God, I, could, I, lo- you know, I love a banana. But I, all she was eating was gruel, stale bread and gruel. And she was like, oh, you know, I'm so sorry, Lord, I'm so sorry. That I, that I coveted those bananas. Forgive me, Lord. I, I know that you can't. You know, I'm not going to get a banana. And about two minutes later, there's a knock on the door, hammering on the door. And usually when there was a hammering on the door, it meant she was going to get tortured. So she went across the room, sat with her head down, because that's what they're supposed to do. They weren't supposed to look at their captors. She went down, put her head down. The door opened up. She heard a noise, and the door slammed, and, and, they, and the, she heard the steps walking away. She opened her eyes, and there's not only one banana, There's a whole bunch of bananas. My God shall supply your needs according to his riches and glory. We need to expect the supernatural. We need to to expect the supernatural, not just for our needs, but for those around us who need to see that God is good and that God is, is wanting to bless you. And wanting to bless them. Expect. It is time to expect the supernatural. Don't wait till the next crisis. Don't go, well, I got my, I got my government check. So I, I'm good. I'm covered. No. You start believing now that God is going to do exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever hope, think, or ask. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm, I, my basic, basic needs are covered. No, no, no. No. God wants to bless you so much that you're a blessing to others. He wants to extravagantly bless you. Let him. How do you let him? Believe it. Walk in faith. Stand on what his promises are. The last one. Go down to John chapter 6. Beginning with verse 16. These two things happened within a day of each other. Actually a day and a night. Actually within 24 hours. 24 hours. John chapter 6 beginning with verse 16. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started out across the sea to Capernaum. Now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. 
The sea became rough because of a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at at the land to which they were going. So we all know that story. We know the story of walking on water. Woo, that's awesome. Beautiful. We were there. We were on the Sea of Galilee. The night before we got on the boat, there was a storm. There was a windy storm. And you know, I mean, you, you, know, you hear about the, the storm. It was dark, so you couldn't see the Sea of Galilee, but it was storming. It was lightning. It was thundering. And it, every one of us, the next morning at breakfast, went, wow. Glad we weren't on a boat out on that sea at that time. But we're there. And we're, you know, there's a map. Now we'll see if, the, see if we can get the map up. So they're going to pop a map up there and you can see it on the, uh, how does that look? I can't tell what it looks like. It looks good. Peter's giving me the thumbs up. You see that line there down in the left, uh, lower left corner, that's the city of Tagba. That's where the, that's where the feeding of the 5,000 was. Okay? And where they were headed was Capernaum. So it was up the coast uh, where that dotted line ends. And that, that distance, that distance is about two and a half kilometers, so about about one and a half miles. It's about one and a half miles, and they went by sea. So that makes you think, okay, why did they go by sea? Why did he send the disciples off in a boat? Bottom line, there were so many people following them, they couldn't get away. They couldn't get away from them. So what Jesus did is he sent them off in the boat so that they couldn't follow them to the next place. Because it's like, we need to, you know, these people, all they want is my food. All they want is, is more bread. All they want is more fish. And, you know, and he says, I need to preach to some new people. So he sent the disciples on ahead, put them in a boat, and they should have made that pretty easy. It's about a mile and a half from Tagba to Capernaum, even by boat. And it says that they had been rowing for about three or four miles. Why? Because a storm came up, and the storm pushed them out to the sea. And they're going away from their, their destination. They're, they're getting pushed further and further out. It was not a good thing. And then it says in this story, which is true, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's not a figurative description of God's glory. No, he walked on water. Either believe that or throw the rest of it out too. He walked on the water. It says that he came and he started walking on the water. Now, here's my point. Why did he do that? I can see why he sent the, the disciples by, the, by sea. They couldn't get away from people. Get in a boat. They can't follow you if you're in a boat. So they take off. The disciples go. But then Jesus doesn't walk the mile and a half up that road. It takes 31 minutes to walk from Tagba. I, I did that on Google Maps. They, 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 you know, if, I, if I walked from Tagba to to Capernaum, takes 31 minutes. He could have done that, but he didn't do that. Why? Because they'd have followed him. So what did Jesus do? I, I, you know, it makes me think. He sends the disciples off. There's still thousands of people here. And Jesus goes, see you guys later. And walks off across the water. I mean, like, what in the world? So, he walks, but the natural thing, I mean, the reasonable thing, I mean, why would God expect to have to do a miracle when I can walk three point or 1.5 miles in 31 minutes 
by land, well, that's just tempting God. That's just testing. That's just pushing the limits of God's grace. We're not, I actually tried to walk on water. I did. I, I did it from shore. It was shallow. And, you know, I stepped in and my shoe got wet. I had to walk around in a wet shoe the rest of the day. But I thought, what the heck? Let's just try it. But if there was a need, he needed to get away from those people. He walked across the water. He could have gone the other way. God could have made him invisible. He did that before. From the, from the hill in Nazareth, when they were going to throw him over, they were, going to, they were mad at him. The town people were mad, and he was on the, on the brink, and they were going to throw him over the cliff. Instead, he just turned around and walked through them and walked away. Why? Well, I don't know why. It doesn't give us the exact description of what happened. But it was a miracle. He could have just walked away. They'd all gone blind, or he just put everybody in freeze mode for 10 minutes as he walked away. I don't know. But he didn't. He walked on water. That's extravagant. That's crazy. That's wild. But that's the kind of God we serve. The kind of God we serve doesn't care what the limits are. It doesn't say, he doesn't care that a disease can spread by you touching a chair and four hours later someone come and touch the same chair. Heaven forbid. I know, I, every time I do this, I feel like I'm, it sounds like I'm mocking. Am I mocking? Yes, I'm mocking. Because we either believe this stuff is true or we don't. We either believe that God is bigger than any stupid virus or we don't. When are we going to believe? When are we going to step out by faith on the water? When are we going to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. When are we going to go, you know, it's enough of this. Satan, you've had enough. You're done. I'm laying hands on the sick and they're going to recover. What if they don't? You're a liar. They will. Because that's what the Word says. The Word says, lay hands on, they, they, those that believe will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Didn't say they might, if God is so ever, ever so benevolent. When Jesus was asked, Will you heal me? If you will, will you heal me? And he looked at him and he said, I will. I want to. Yes. He wants to heal you. He wants to use you to heal others. He wants you to, to supply the needs of others. No matter how frivolous it seems. He is a God that wants to live big in you. Let him. It's time. Now's the time. It's not, the harvest is not six months from now. It's right now. The fields are ripe. People are ripe for truth. Yes, they, they, they very well may reject you, but they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting him. But at least they've heard. At least they've had an opportunity to hear and to see. And then if, when a miracle is, is performed, they not only heard, but they saw. Oh my goodness, there's power. And then it happens here, and it happens there. It happens in New Richmond. It happens in St. Croix Falls. It happens in Prescott. It happens, starts happening in hospitals. It starts happening on TV. It starts happening everywhere, and people are going to go, huh, there may be something to this Christian thing. But we have to get outside of ourselves. We have to die to ourselves, and we have to believe that God is still supernatural, which He is. I've always said, if anybody needs us to come pray for them, call me. We'll be there. I'm not worried about it. I'm not afraid. 
I'll lay hands on the sick. Jesus laid hands on leprous people. Well, that was Jesus. Yes, and he said, we'll do even greater things. We'll do even greater works. Why? Because there's more of us, yes. But also because he could, even as one person, yes, he was God incarnate, he was, but he was one person. Now we can be everywhere. We can run into all kinds of stuff where people need help. And now's the time. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait. Now's the time for salvation. Now's the time to preach the word. There will be a day where they will kill you for preaching the word. Now we can do it without fear of that. Now is the time. The church needs to move. The the church needs to be the church. And we can't do that hiding. We can't do that. Fill in the blank. Jesus didn't social distance. I know, I know. People get mad at me when I say this stuff. People get upset. Well, you you don't care about others. I do care about others. That's why they need to hear Jesus. They need to feel Jesus. They need to experience Jesus. I've heard the statistics about people who are ending their lives because of the, the, the fear and, the, and the, 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 the turmoil that they're going through because of what's going on now, because of the social distancing, because of the sheltering in place. Suicides are, are skyrocketing. A week ago, real newspaper, realish, as real as... It wasn't, it wasn't totally fake news where people make stuff up. In Tennessee, two weeks ago, there were more suicides than corona deaths. People need hope. And you've got the hope. I've got the hope. But we have to believe that God is still able that if you walk out and lay hands on a, on a corona, on the deathbed, intubated, dying coronavirus person, you not only won't get it, but they'll be healed. In Jesus' name. By faith, we need to walk it out. We need to toughen up and we need to get out and start being light. Start telling people the hope that we have in this time. Let's pray. Father, thank you for challenging us. Thank you for challenging me daily. For causing us to get outside of ourselves and our own fears and our own concerns, our own desires. Father, help us to be the church. Help us to be the voice crying in this wilderness at this time. Make way for the, for the Son of God to be revealed in people's lives. Thank you, Father, that you loved us so much that you sent Jesus to die on that cross, not only so we wouldn't go to hell, but that we could have a life and life more abundantly here and then. Thank you, Father, that the supernatural is ours. Thank you, Father. I, I encourage you right now, if there's somebody in your home who's sick, I don't, it doesn't matter what it is, I encourage you to turn to them right now, lay hands on them, and speak life. Don't pray, don't pray, don't pray, God, if it's your will. Please don't ever pray that again. What I want you to say is, in the name of Jesus, be healed. That's prayer. That's what Jesus, be healed. Be whole. Eyes open. Ears open. 
lame walk, stand and get up. That's prayer. Because it is His will. It is His plan. Father, thank You for, for miracles beginning to pop all over this region, all over the world. People seeing the hand of God moving mightily. It's time. It's time. Now's the time. Thank You, Father, that the Gospel of Jesus Christ just rips open the gates of hell. The gates of hell will not prevail against Your kingdom. Thank You for it, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Just want to encourage you. We're we're gonna we're gonna be together soon. This thing's gonna end soon. We're gonna be back here in one place. I encourage you to start getting ready for it. Start dressing up a little bit before service starts. You know, don't just be in the in the pajamas and the the steel-toed slippers. Make start combing your hair before the service. You know. Shave. I even shaved. I was getting a little too scruffy even for myself this morning. So I cleaned up a little bit. It's time to start, start coming, out of the, coming out of the dark. Really look forward to seeing everybody soon. God bless. Have a great day.